to Garage Night, where arguments happen. I'm Randall, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. I'm Jeff. And I'm Andy. And tonight, we're going to talk about my sweet new air conditioning setup in my Chevy, Andy's fancy new battery disconnect, and of course, the new Jeep Wrangler, I mean Ford Bronco. Saw <laughs> <laughs> that coming. Uh, and to put off the argument, we're going to go ahead and start with our with our ride segment. Um, so, Andy, this is kind of the newest thing on the docket is um, you had to do like a, a change for your battery disconnect on the Mustang. Right. So my plan last week <clears throat> to take the Cobra out. Long story short, I finally got it registered. So it's actually street legal now. Because the focus is down, so I needed something to drive. So that forced me to register it, and I was like, well, now that it's registered, I'll, I should take it up to Firebird, take it up to the drag strip, and see what slash how it does. So Friday night, I'm reading the rules and everything for, <clears throat> um, for the class to run in for the weekend class. And uh, yeah, I forgot that I relocated the battery to the trunk, and NHRA rules say if you have moved the battery from the factory location, you need an external master disconnect um, to meet NHRA rules. And I was like, oh, well, I don't have that. So I got to work Saturday putting it together, and through about five different runs to different parts stores, I had it done Monday afternoon. So you can guess I ended up not going to the track Saturday. So just to be clear, you took a hole saw to the side of the body of your Cobra, right? And just drilled through the side of the body? Yeah, right right in the uh, uh, the front bumper, you know, and ran a horrible, ugly exhaust pipe through it, too, while I was at it. Perfect. But uh, no. So uh, for those that don't know, the Cobra, the 99-01 Cobras have different, they're called export taillights, um and them and they are quite sought after and quite expensive um so i wasn't about to screw one of those up and i really didn't want to mount something permanently in the body so i went to the local junkyard and swiped a taillight out of a a normal non-export taillight out of a junkyard car for a whopping eleven dollars um Basically, I put the back of the housing up and mounted the disconnect switch to the outside of it. Made a couple new leads, ran them through, firewalled them kind of through the back side of the car, hidden kind of behind the taillight where you'd never see it, and ran that to uh, my connections in the trunk where I've got the battery mounted. So when I'm not using it, basically when I'm not at the track, I disconnect the two leads from one from the battery and one going to the car disconnect those and just bolt the car wire back to the battery and i pull this extra tail light and basically harness out and put the factory export tail light back in so you'd never know it was even there did you do a uh, bulkhead fitting or was it just like a grommet with uh through the through the tail light like so i, I had I was going to use the factory location where the pigtail comes through for the wiring harness, but it was too small. Um, mm. So I ended up just drilling a new hole because the wires that go through, they're single lot cables and there's two of them. Um, so it's actually a pretty good size hole. It's like an inch and a half hole. And I haven't, I haven't found a rubber grommet yet anywhere in town. I'll probably just order one online somewhere. 
um, that fits a little snug, but I, I did go to, uh, the hardware section over at the Ace Hardware here and I got a, um, one and a half inch plug and just a rubber O-ring and I just kind of threaded that into the hole and it actually works pretty decently and the daylight still sits behind it. So it, it actually seals it up from water anyway. So, I mean, that works pretty good and it's easy to just thread it back out when I want to use it. That's good. That's a good idea. So, so what happened with the uh, what happened with the focus? Focus has been needing to be fixed for a while. So a couple of weeks ago, I came out of work one day at five o'clock, got in the car, started to pull out, and I pulled up to the, st- the first stop sign, put my foot on the brake, and it went right to the floor, and that no brakes basically, it's barely holding on, just kind of the safety um, of the master cylinders, basically just gone. Um, like you know, so your first problem was you pulled out. Well. First. Well, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I, I ran it down, and yeah, the other master cylinder is just toast on it. Um, so I've got the and that's an SVT specific master cylinder, right? I don't think it's actually SVT specific, but I don't know what the problem is. There, they there's like I looked it up on the forums, and everybody said, yeah, it's the same as a normal like a ZX3 um, master cylinder, but every park store like shows five different master cylinders for that car. Cause there's an option for with ABS, without ABS, with traction control, without traction control and without some like interactive vehicle dynamic braking system or something or another. I don't even know. Oh. I don't even know what it does. So there's, and then there's an option with, or without the, um, the reservoir on top of it. So it uses two different reservoirs. This one on top of the master cylinder and there's a remote, um, the tank that feeds that and the and the clutch master cylinder so it's like that's really fun like when you when you go to bleed it that's going to be a fun time it shouldn't it's not going to be that bad because it's only opened right at the master and all i have to do is just bench bleed it and then put it back on the car top tank off and i shouldn't have to really do bleed it that much because there's only going to be air and it's right at the top of the system so it shouldn't be too bad but I had to go. You're, you're, you're a braver man than me. <laughs> I would I would have to bleed the whole thing. Yeah. I'll probably end up doing it anyway, just to be sure. But <clears throat> it, it shouldn't be too bad. Now, I finally got one. I I ran down, I think, three or four different park stores. And finally, AutoZone actually had the right one after going through, looking online, going to Napa and going to O'Reilly. Yeah. Ordering the wrong ones and returning them, ordering the wrong ones and returning them. And finally, I went to AutoZone, which is usually my last place to go for parts, but they had the right one. Yeah, I've, I've actually had pretty decent luck with AutoZone, as much as I don't particularly like going there. But then I get the rewards, too. Like, I, sure. like O'Reilly gives you those, like, $5 off every year or something. Like yeah. You, you know, and then AutoZone, literally, I'll buy a handful of parts and I'll get $20 credit. Like, I'm like, holy crap. Like, nice. That's pretty good. So I usually shop there just for that. But. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a bad deal. Yeah. yeah. Usually my go-to is Napa, but they didn't, they shipped me the wrong one. And the other one they didn't have, that they had was, didn't have the <clears throat> the reservoir on top of it. And I didn't want to screw with trying to swap one off the old unit. Oh yeah, totally. You know, knew everything. I don't want to chance anything. At least you. Yeah, no joke. So yeah, I, I got that one and it's, it's sitting on the bench still. Um, and probably work on that in the next couple days here. 
Well, rad, man. So is that is that it for your rides then? Um, I believe so. Yeah. What about you, Randy? You got anything you did that's fun? Maybe some uh, some trim. Yeah, I don't know about fun, but uh, I would say easy is more uh, kind of the interesting part of this. So we talked, I believe, last time uh, about our actual garage night and uh, how we got a couple layers of paint on it. Well, because I am, I say busy, but really lazy, um, just finally got around last week to finishing up the trim. So, um, you know, I got... I got all the paint and I got the time and the weather was good. So I started throwing on a few more coats and, uh, I kind of let the kids help me sand, uh, sand on some of the parts. So that was nerve wracking. Um, but they did a, they did a good job for, for their age. And I was able to, um, put enough coats back on that really worked pretty well. I ended up using an 800 grit, uh, sandpaper and, uh, to catch people up, I, removed all the interior trim from the 540i because it was um originally covered with the it's kind of a faux brushed aluminum kind of stainless steel wrap tape and didn't look great so we took all that off and painted it gloss black so i ended up with about oh about four or five coats uh total kind of very light coats with uh two sandings in between and you know it's not great um partially because to do it right would have taken a lot more work uh that i'm simply not ready for so the problem is the uh the trim them itself is thin pieces of aluminum with actual wood laid over top of that and then like a thick lacquer over top of that the problem is with, you know, heat checking and removing and putting back on, a lot of that has kind of cracked up and has obvious brake lines in it. So the right thing would have been to sand it all down, put some filler in there, and kind of gotten it smooth. Um, would have taken three to four times as long. I think I'll eventually end up doing that. Um, but again, $1,500 car. Uh, you know, to, to what extent do you just call it good? And now I know after finishing it up, I uh, got kind of a medium gloss on it now. And I put everything back in. It looks it looks better. I like it. it, it I, I don't like all the kind of cracks in it. But the style, I think, is something I'm going for, though I'm considering more of a satin because the like the black leather and the dash and stuff is all you know leather grain or faux leather grain um but it's very kind of a matte finish which the gloss is kind of i was hoping it would just kind of highlight the trim but instead it's just kind of making it stand out in a less ideal way so i think maybe going in and sanding doing a sand and a fill on all the cracks um, and then doing like a satin black would look really good. I'm going to have to have uh, Jeff locally really look at it and uh, really take a look at it and let me know. Just look at it real close. Like. Just take, just take a look at it. What'd you just look at it? 
Would you just look at it? I think he's. I think he'll he'll agree, but we'll we'll see. Um, but I am going to head Jeff off at the pass and say, I installed everything back the way it was, and I had it all reinstalled inside of twenty minutes, and there are no squeaks and no rattles, not a one. Not not till you just jinxed it. Oh no, you can't jinx a BMW. I had I had Jeeves make sure everything was just right. <laughs> Did you ask Jeeves or? <laughs> oh, that's an old reference. <laughs> I, I, I I was I was uh, sitting back from the mic laughing, so I was I, I did enjoy that <laughs> of a certain age. I I actually really liked the pictures you sent me, uh, and uh, you set the whole group really up of the black. I think the you know, it really gave it a nice uh, standout. I mean, the, the downside, though, is is it is cracked, and it does stand out. So the, the downside of the nice bright gloss kind of paint is it stands out. I mean, it, if it were perfect, I think it would look pretty good. But being that there's cracks in it, it may be tougher. Um, that said, I mean, really, all it needs is a little Bondo and those filler and those cracks, a little glaze putty, and block it out, and you're done. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe we'll do that. We'll we'll fill, and then we'll kind of decide as we're doing it if we want to switch over to a, a more of a satin finish, or maybe I just need to do a little more, a little more armor all on the the rest of the yeah. trim to to gloss it up. No, don't do that. <laughs> I think that would clash with yeah. the uh, with the kind of faded paint on the outside. It would kind of be two different cars. And armor all just makes things look cheap. It look it looks like armor all every time I've seen it. I think we've covered that it kind of it just depends on the quality of the exterior of the paint. Like uh, to not to retread too much, but on like a lot of Jeff's cars that are rustic, we'll say should be mm-hmm. um, you know more of a matte finish. And Andy's cars are all uh, brightly colored and high gloss, and so yeah, to have. Yeah, if it's too muted on the inside, then it, it kind of it, it's jarring. So I think the- so. There's a there's a happy medium, in my opinion, for most cars uh, that are nice, like yours, uh, or like my Fox Body, or any of Andy's cars, where they actually have nice paint. And uh, when I think of Armorall, I think of of when I was 15 and I had this squirt bottle full of Armorall <laughs> and I sprayed it all over the dash. And then I wiped it off, and it was just shiny and reflective. Yeah, it's the, the right the way to do it, in my opinion, is to spray not armor all, but gets uh, get the McGuire's detailing uh, stuff, yeah, um, which is like armor all that's super super diluted, and you put that onto a rag, you gently wipe it on every five years, and then you wipe it off, and then you're done, and it holds up fantastic like the reason my dash in my mustang doesn't look like absolute crap because i don't armor all it all the time and pull the oils out of the out of the plastics and and mess with the dyes and the plastics um i do i i do enough to clean it every five maybe eight years i think i've done it twice on that car since i've owned it and it looks fantastic it does look pretty um, good unless it sits out in the sun all the time but that's you know a rarity i don't even yeah. use the, the, the shines or anything, any of that stuff on the interior stuff, you know, for that, yes. for that same reason, you know, suck the dyes and stuff out of it and just dry it out and let it crack. 
the only thing I do literally is just I use the Meguiar's, um, <clears throat> just that the interior cleaning stuff, just like the cleaning spray, yep. not any of the polishing, any of that stuff. And what? Yeah, if spray you, it on, wipe it off. Like, that's like it. it. Yeah, exactly. And it like if you ever use that that uh, that cleaning stuff, use it so or the uh, not the cleaning stuff, but the uh, the silicon silicon based stuff that like the armor all type stuff. If you ever use any product like that, use very very little and just use it on like vinyl and you know lightly used uh, plastic surfaces and wipe it off. So it just is enough just to give it a little tiny bit of pop, but. You get that shit off of there and don't put it on every time you wash the car. Don't even put it on every year, like five years, 10 years. And like, I, I like, honestly, like I don't, I almost never use it because it leaves such a nasty film yeah. on it. And, it, you know, I found, I found not doing that makes the, the plastic hold up a lot better than doing that. Uh, alternatively, it's actually encouraged to use like a tire shine in most cases because tire shines will actually build a, a you know a thin barrier from the UV of the sun and actually keep tires from uh, drying out and cracking on the sidewalks. Do you think that that's for designed more for rubber or for ABS? It's got to be for rubber. I wouldn't I wouldn't use it inside. They have specific yeah, specific things for for rubber. Now there's. I know there's a there's a product that I own and I don't know what brand it is, but it's three letters and it stands for like uh, vinyl rubber and uh, uh, another common uh, common trim piece and it's specifically to clean and shine trim like that. Uh, but I'll have to look into kind of what's in it as far as silicones and and drying agents and stuff and make sure I'm not doing more harm than good, but. As far as that sort of stuff, I know the tire shine is is uh, like on your tires is is uh, actually productive for the the longevity of of the rubber uh, as opposed but to bad for your paint if you ever want to paint it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's really uh, kind of the long and short of it. Uh, uh, just you know, other than that, regular service intervals are coming up. Um, keeping an eye on the, uh, so the BMW actually has a sort of rudimentary oil change gauge on it, uh, that I'm not, haven't quite figured out, but there's kind of a, a series of bars on the left side of the instrument panel that kind of counts from green to yellow to red towards the right side to kind of let you know when the oil needs change, which is nice cause I didn't have a sticker on this one or anything. So I just kind of assumed um, that it was at zero. So, uh, that, that'll, that'll come up soon enough because I'm driving it more and more, even with the blue truck back, I've been driving that thing more often than not. Cause it's just, it's just a kick, but I got to figure out the fan. It's driving me nuts. The thing kicks on. I feel like anything above 175. So I got to, I got to get a computer hooked up to it and kind of see when it's kicking on. And, uh, if it's too soon, probably need to just replace the thermostat anyway. You could always run a, uh, I don't know if there's a room for it on that car, but if you needed to run a uh, external temp gauge, you can um, just to see what temperature you're actually running um, and verify that that's when the fan is kicking on. Um, yeah. You I, know, just something, something temporary 
like I, I did on my car. I assume it has sensors that I can probably tap into. Um, but I'll, I'll definitely be looking into that pretty soon. Um, cause I know I need to, I need to replace that impeller, uh, on the pump, uh, sooner rather than later. So I should probably just, um, you know, cause I'm going to be, it's inches from the thermostat at that point. I've already done all the work. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's about it for me. And I know Jeff, you've done, uh, quite a bit, uh, cause we update each other with pretty much everything we do, uh, bit by bit and, Boy, Jeff's been a busy little bee uh, with stuff. Uh, we also recorded I, early for the last episode and late for this one, and on our uh, on our intervals, so it's just one yeah. one extra weekend of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I probably bit off more than I can chew. Honestly, um, I, I had anyway. I'm, I'm doing better now, but uh, you know, financially, probably wasn't the smartest move. Uh, but I uh, <laughs> I ordered my air conditioning all my air conditioning stuff. And I don't know where I ended up last time talking about it, but all of that is installed in the Chevy. It was super simple. It's all wired up. Um, God, I think the last time I talked, I was waiting on a few parts maybe to come in to finish it. And those showed up, got everything hooked up, didn't leak a drop. Um, you know, it had just all of the connections, everything were just super seamless and got it all hooked up and called, uh, um, called Andy's dad. Um, this is all for my air conditioning, by the way. So I, I don't know if I said that, but yeah, for my air conditioning in the Chevy and called Andy's dad and said, Hey man, you want some beer and, um, you know, some, some company for a while. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, uh, look at my AC and he's like, Oh yeah, come on over. And so I, I, uh, cruised over to, to happy Valley and, um, talked to his dad. And of course I tried to pay him for all the help and stuff. And he didn't want any part of that because, he's a good dude. And I felt terrible. I'm like, Oh man, I want to give me something. And he's like, Oh, you gave me beer. But anyway, so he, uh, he checked out everything out and, uh, got, and, we, and it pulled good vacuum on the AC, you know, so he hooked up his uh, little vacuum, uh, pump to it. And, and you generally, you let that sit for a few minutes. Um, and, uh, you can watch the vacuum drop and I think it, it pulled a maximum, I think it was 30 pounds or something. I, I, I don't remember the exact number, but it didn't drop at all. Um, after even after five ten minutes of sitting there so he's like wow that's really good he's like usually it'll drop to 28 25 and and or something like that and, um, and that's plenty even to charge it so he said he did a really good job he asked me you know what seals did you use blah 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 what about all this he's like oh you used all the right stuff and he's like i give you great a for for all of your plumbing and all of your your uh, all of your work i'm like great up until he saw my wiring for the trinary switch, and I, I guess I didn't do a very good job on that. Um, <laughs> so it would be the, a wiring uh, thing. It, yeah, it was. So so I had um, – so uh, the way Vintage Air does this trinary switch, the wires are just really goofy to begin with. Like it's a, it's a, it's a four wires coming out, and two, two of the wires are the same color, and two of the wires are the same color. They're supposed to do the same thing but they don't make, it doesn't really make sense how they work. So it's kind of weird. Um, anyway, it was all wired correctly, but my ground was bad. The ground I had to the, to the trinary switch wasn't making ground. So I had to run a different ground wire. And then the, I bought these bullet connectors to attach to the uh, compressor and uh, they're, they just had really bad fit. And when I crimped it, it didn't crimp 
correctly. And so it wasn't making contact and wasn't powering the compressor. And uh, so we pulled that off and just hardwired it um, just to, so we could test it. And uh, thing just blew ice cold. And uh, it took some playing with the, uh, like, and this was a hot day. This was one of the hottest days we had. It was probably 90, 92, 93, something like that. It was really hot. And uh, it blew ice cold all the way home. And I cruised over to my dad's and it started getting warmer. And towards the end, I realized I had the, the thermostat for the AC all the way up. And, and it, it actually iced up. It got so cold. So um, on those, those uh, systems are very simple. They don't have, like, the checks for temperature regulation if it gets too cold. So you have to manually uh, make sure that it doesn't ice up. So I've kind of got it set now where I think it needs to be. And uh, boy, man, that thing, even in like the super hot days, like I had today, I had to go into work for a little while. And uh, it was probably, I don't know, it was probably mid 90s today on the on the freeway or, or low 90s. And uh, it was just blowing ice cold the whole way. And uh, if I had any type of insulation in my car, the whole car would have been freezing. But uh it was at least cold on me, which was perfect. And um, so I routed, uh, I, I uh, took, um, you know, I got my 3D printed gauge bezel that are, uh, or, uh, or fan bezel or fan, fan housing, I guess, all the kind of ducting and stuff that I made all worked out really good. Um, and I, uh, I took the defrost ducts that came with a vintage air kit. They're like an injection molded plastic piece. And I cut the louvers out of them. So instead of blowing outward, they kind of blow forward. And I mounted them underneath the dash and pointed them at the passenger on the outside of the car. So you kind of get air blowing at you from underneath the dash um, on the outsides of the car now, which is really nice. Um, so you get more air to flow directly on, uh, on you. And, uh, man, everything worked great. Um, the downside of all of this, I noticed, was uh, I don't know if it kind of coincided with the hot weather or the way that I had... Um, move my fans to the front of the evaporator instead of directly on the radiator but my car started running warmer than it usually does and i just have factory ford gauge in behind the old original gauge face so i don't really have a ground truth of what temperature my car is running i just know that it's usually runs right in the middle of the gauge and you know now it's running up a little bit you know a little higher than it should um you know it was getting up somewhere around three quarters of the gauge which to me i'm like oh no it's it's overheating what am i doing what's going on and so my buddy at work, he had a, uh, he had a, a gauge that he had bought for his, his, uh, skein wagon and never used. And so he said, yeah, you want to borrow it for, you know, do you can borrow it for like a year? I don't care. And so he, he let me borrow that. And I installed it in a sweet little custom cardboard bezel and, <laughs> and, uh, went underneath my dash and, uh, went and cruised around in all this hot weather and it never even got over 200. So I, I learned that my factory, uh, Ford gauge in the center of the uh, or in in the uh, in the actual gauge housing is really sensitive to temperature changes. So at uh, at you know halfway up the uh, gauge, you know right in the center, it runs about 175, and then um, you know three quarters of the way up the gauge is about 200. So it, it's a pretty it's a pretty dialed in gauge for for uh, for temperature. It's really sensitive compared to even some of the aftermarket units, but at least gave me a gut check of, you know, my car's not even getting over 200. Um, you know, I can only run a seven pound cap with that radiator. So that puts me with antifreeze that puts me in a boiling point around 230, 235, something like that. So, you know, I should be, you should be, good. should be okay. Yeah. So I'm not super concerned about it. I also added, I had some old door seals from my Bronco I pulled off and I, I took those door seals and I, I shoved them in between the uh, evaporator 
and the radiator. They're EPDM rubber and they're good to like 350 degrees. I had to look that up and make sure I wasn't going to melt them, but uh, shoved them in there. So basically I created kind of a seal to where the fans are blowing. So they're blowing through the radiator and not up out between the condenser and the radiator because they're pusher fans. So kind of a weird janky thing I did, but it, it worked fine. So did all that. Um, I got my, uh, my engine turned uh, bezel that goes over all of it. Um, I put that in a day. Um, man, the thing's just, it's, it's rock solid, man. It's so much nicer to be in. I can cruise with the windows up and just, it's totally different ride. And, uh, you know, last up really is, is interior and, uh, I got to swap my fuel line out. But other than that, it's, uh, it's pretty dialed in. I'm really enjoying driving it. Um, just need, an I think that's pretty much, what was that? It just needs an antenna. Yeah. It doesn't have an antenna for you to steal. So that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I got that other Fox body, uh, antenna showing up. So, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so that pink one's on back order, by the way. Yeah. The pink one. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of Fox bodies, I, uh, I did a little bit of work to the Mustang with the, you know, of course they always ever intend to sell it. And then I get driving and I'm like, oh, I can't sell this car, <laughs> but I, but I, I really need to because I, I, I could use the money and I really want the space. But uh, I uh, ordered new um, new floor mats for it, which mine were getting a little chewed up. And I bought new ones when I bought the car. Um, but I got new pony embroidered floor mats. They're pretty cool. And uh, got some new door lock knobs because mine were a little scuffed up um, from all the times the door panel's been off. Uh, the door lock actuator on the passenger side finally totally seized. And I uh, pulled all that off and I little did I know that late model restoration sold them for like $25 all set up, ready to go. And rock auto was like 40 and I bought them from rock auto. I was stupid. I should have bought them from LMR originally. And they went right on. No big deal. Came with the rivets and everything, riveted it back on, you know, done. Um, so that's all good. And then uh, I took my passenger or my driver's side door pole uh, was kind of the glue it kind of delaminated and so I took that into the interior shop and I'm having him use his Landau top adhesive to, to lock that thing back in and then uh, the uh, the wind the sun visors were were kind of separating at the seams um, for years and uh, I, I asked him to see if he could take a look and see if he can make those better just maybe do some stitching around there and call it good um, so car and I cleaned all the whole thing up vacuumed it all out got it all just looking just spotless you know as much as it can anyway it looks really good so um you know for our three listeners if you want a fox body mustang that's all dialed in really clean uh be sure to drop a drop a line to garage night uh email <laughs> probably one of the cleanest but, ones in the country probably probably one of the better ones for sure uh, it's pretty nice for being i mean for a driver it's not like a show car but it's pretty nice um it's hung in there, man. Surprisingly, I can't believe it. All the years of us going out and doing stuff, and it's still looking pretty good. Um, I think that's it for the Mustang. So now uh, on to the Bronco saga. <laughs> the uh, so um, my uh, painter had to paint it for a third time. Uh, second time he went to paint. I don't know if this happened before, or after, whenever. I don't know. And I was messaging you guys about it. Um, he kind of got a little frustrated uh, with how the paint was turning out. It's uh, he had sanded, you know, the first time it came out, it was kind of 
he had some issues with lighting in the booth and it was kind of running. And so he sanded everything down with 800, which is, you know, standard kind of operating procedure for painting. Like 800 is kind of usually the finest you want for your base coat. Generally, um, on a single stage, you can get away with 600, sometimes even four. But um, with metallic, generally, you want to go closer to eight. So he did everything with 800, shot the whole truck again and uh, got put a little bit of clear down. And then you could see in the clear, you could see the 800 grit scratches mm -hmm. coming through. <clears throat> and he was just, you know, he's furious. He's like, God damn, you know, just so frustrated because so much time working. And so I was like, okay, so um, what do you, what do you think you're going to do? And so he, uh, he said, well, I'm going to try a thousand and then just kind of increment up if I need to and just test it out. And so he did a thousand and, and he, he sprayed it and it looks, I mean, he called me, said I could come over and my dad and I cruised over there and looked at it and it looks just money, dude. It's, it's mint. So the uh he is he's starting the the cut and buff and and doing the the fiberglass repair on the top of the truck and got it got it all ready to come back and uh you know like uh, probably within the next i keep saying two weeks two weeks two weeks i'm hoping the next couple weeks here i'm gonna be having my bronco back and gonna be over there assembling it um you know getting the bumpers on and stuff and and uh, unfortunately i was gonna order a grill from from dennis carpenter one of the aluminum grills because my saga of driving all over town trying to find someone that can bright dip anodize my factory grill which isn't in that bad a shape just needs to be a little tuned up uh no one can do it so too many regulations uh, in oregon it's not even that they don't none of them have a tank big enough for it um I've, they what it's, about a, powder it's coating a six it? and a half foot huh? what about powder coating it i've seen them done and they just don't look right like it's every all the other trim on it's like factory anodized and looks really good um and it's got like a nice satin finish and then this one is the it would be like the like i could i could strip it all down and have it polished and look like chrome but i don't i don't really want that look i, I kind of want that factory satiny look you know um yeah because they can, they can so, do that with powder coat too yeah it's just it's it's like hit or miss like, and you know it's Honestly, like I, I called a few places with powder coat, um, like, okay, what if I get it stripped and polish it and then you know, try to replicate it with powder coat? And it's almost as much as buying a new damn grill. Like it's like it's because it's such a big piece, you know, and then getting it all straight and sanded down and metal worked back and it's aluminum. So it's, you know, it's not, it doesn't play nice. It's just, it's a tough one. Um, and so I, you know, I, I, I knew that the LMC truck grills were absolute junk from my time back on um, some of the forums from, you know, 10 years ago. And I know they've improved their quality, but I've seen them in person and they're absolutely atrocious. Um, and I have some of their other parts and I've been super disappointed with their quality. So I won't buy from them, but uh, uh, the Dennis Carpenter grills, um, I was looking around and everyone says they're absolutely fantastic. They're just slightly thinner material than the factory, but they're, they they fit great they have really good look and so i was like all right that's what i'm going to go with and they're like they're 550 dollars they're not cheap for a grill. yeah <laughs> i know but you know the rest of the truck looks so good now it the grill would be the one part of it that yeah looks off yeah you, you can, know yeah you can't have so, at that point i really can't and so at this you know so they're back ordered through september but they won't Sorry, not backward. They they don't have any in and they don't take back orders. So I can't get it on a list. So I have to wait until they get stocked back and then get it ordered. Um and unfortunately that the timing's pretty poor. So I'm not my truck's gonna be done before I can get the 
before I can get their grill ordered. So I'll probably put mine on temporarily um, until uh, and get it through DEQ and do all of that junk and, and start on the interior. And then once uh, once those grills become available, I'll take it back apart on the front end and put it back in. Um, but yeah, that the truck's looking really good. Um, really stoked on how it's turning out. And, uh, you know, I don't know, I'm ready for it to be back and, and uh, to get that project kind of put to bed for a while. Um, get it sealed back up and whatnot. But uh, well, yeah, so I'm glad that's going better because I know that was your <clears throat> that was kind of your whole reason behind not doing it uh, for so long yeah. as you were just terrified that something would go wrong. And, you know, yeah. uh, props to the guy for he's gotten it. He got it done. Like he didn't, he didn't yeah. quit. He kept working until it got done. But, you know, you were for, you know, weeks waiting to see if, hey, do I have to take this somewhere else? You know, like, is this going to yeah. get done? Is it going to look good? At the end of the day, you're going to get right. a good product. But boy, uh, how was this? How was the stress on that? Uh, it was pretty high. Like, I mean, you guys probably know like that the the truck is like kind of like my thing. Like I, I love that Bronco. I've had it forever and my, my it's been in my family forever. So it's like, it was one of the ones I wanted to do right, you know? And unfortunately, like with the way things are going money wise and I don't, you know, I like, I really like the painter and he's doing a good job, but you know, in the end, you know, I don't know him. Like I know you guys, you know, I've known him for six months kind of thing. So, you know, you never know what, what people are going to do. And, you know, um, you know, we had, we had some mutual friend that, you know, we thought we knew pretty well turned out we didn't know him as well as we thought. And he had ripped some people off some of our friends, um, you know, kind of out of character. Um, and so, you know, you never know what people are going to do. And so it's always nerve wracking, especially when it's not at a shop. And honestly, I've had such bad experiences at shops, shops can be just as bad. So, I was so nervous taking it anywhere that I just was like, I'll just drive it like this, drive it like this. And then when I had the top leaking issue or the, or the seals issue and the floor was soaked and, you know, I'm like, this thing is just going to fall into just disrepair if I don't do this now. And uh, so I just kind of, kind of lit a fire under my ass and I decided just to kind of go for it and grit my teeth. And, you know, with all these issues that he was having with paint, um, you know, and I know they weren't all his fault, you know, but it was like, it was just kind of one thing after another. And I know he was getting frustrated. I didn't know if it was going to be one of those things where he's going to kick it to the curb and just be like, I can't put any more time into this. You know, I've got too much money into it, too much time. You need to take it somewhere else. Or if he was going to make good, you know, like, you know, and I don't want to be like the guy that's questioning, but it's like, in the end, you never know how people are going to, how people are going to act, you know, and I always had good feeling about him when I was working with him and stuff. So, you know, I was hoping he would come through. And he sure, he certainly did. He didn't give up, you know, and I know he was giving me a really good deal. You know, it's in the end, that's a, you know, that's a 10, $15,000 paint job um, any day because of all the, all the rust repair he did and all of how far he stripped it down. He did inside and out, like, and he's doing it for basically half that, um, you know, it was the quote was originally four or 36 to four for his labor. I think I'm, I'm at it 65 now plus, you know, materials, which have been really expensive. So like three grand in materials. Um, so, you know, it's, it's double what I thought it was going to be, but, uh, you know, and that's where I was kind of telling you guys, like, maybe I bit off more than I could chew. Like I thought, you know, okay, paint job won't be much more. I can buy this vintage air stuff and not be, you know, too stressed out. But then I bought the vintage air stuff and then I talked to him and he was like, it's going to be another, you know, twice what I've already paid. I'm like, this is not, 
this is not what I budgeted for. <laughs> so, you know, so things are going to be tight for me for a little while. Um, you know, um, and, uh, you know, that's just how projects go though. So, um, but, uh, it's definitely a lot cheaper than the new Jeep that came, I mean, new Bronco that came out. Yeah. Yeah. Funny um, guy, funny guy. <laughs> so yeah. that is our segue into kind of our news slash topic. Uh, we've talked about it week after week. Uh, the Bronco has been coming and coming and now it is here. Uh, so the 2021 Bronco has been shown and released and we have tons of information on it. I'm sure us and everyone else in the world's talking about it, but that's what we want to talk about and uh, yell at each other about. So uh, quick show of hands, uh, who thinks it is on, on the sum of it, a good vehicle. I, I think it's good. Agreed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do I think it's a good vehicle? That's a really tough thing. Like you're 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 trying to trap me here. Do I think no, it will is, work? This is very... and it will and it will drive in a straight line and go over bumps and stuff. Sure. Do I think the technology is impressive? Yes, I do. Do I like what they did? Absolutely not. What do you have? Do you have? Anything you would like to say, Jeff? Would you like to? Is there anything you'd like to get off your chest? And <laughs> uh, I don't even know if I should start this or not. <laughs> That's okay. I can go. I, I, can, I, go, I can go to bed. And then we can rebut what he doesn't like. That's my whole plan. Let him go, and then and okay. then we'll, uh, so, we'll know kind of what his biggest problems are. So I watched a few of the videos and, you know, I don't, I can't remember all of the tech and I'm sure Randy has an article open right now and he's got references of, yeah, you do. Okay. And you know that it has uh, a 10 speed automatic or a 16. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, and a, and a six speed manual with crawl crawl gear and it's got a, oh, sorry. And then it's got, it's got Sasquatch edition. And then it's got all of these, like, it's got grab handles and this washable neoprene fabric that you can hose your dog shit off of when your dog shit's in the back of it. Like, <laughs> all of this just just great stuff that you're going to rattle off. I know. Coming from a cat person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from a cat person, right. Hey, uh, my cats are dope, though. <laughs> but, like, okay. Uh, I don't even know where to start. Um Okay, so start, let me start with yeah, go ahead and start with styling because that's what you. I know that's what you want to hit. I want to hit the styling, but let me at least give them credit for a few things before I completely uh, hate on Ford. Um, <laughs> I liked their like what they've done from a from a from a technical aspect with some of their like with with some of their programming with the and with their like their crawl ratio is really dope they did they'd have good departure and breakover angles and uh and approach angles that's all good stuff they had some pretty fancy traction control stuff they were touting i like that i don't even completely absolutely hate the ifs the way they did it i don't completely hate it i don't like it that much but i don't completely hate it i get it um and in general they they did a two-door with a removable top so that's that's a plus. Um, there's a, there's so much I don't like though. <laughs> like the, I'm going to start with the grill um, because that to me seems so out of place. The grill to me looks like someone took a 
plastic tray, caved it in, and then shoved some round headlights in it. It looks so afterthought to me. It looks, it just doesn't look right on there. And I know that that's supposed to be like the most key identifying feature of the Bronco, but it looks, it looks so so cheap. It looks like a Scion XB. No, 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 Scion Honda Element plastic bezel around some cheap like ebay projector headlights okay, I, 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 I do want to ask this do you feel it's a bad adaptation or a bad execution because mm, i feel it's a good um, adaptation but i could be i, I think i need to kind of see it in person before i decide its execution but i think it's sure. actually a good adaptation of the original grill i think it definitely evokes the same feeling with a more modern twist. I do think they got at least that part right. Though I can see what you're saying about it being, you know, a cheap plastic grill with with uh, eBay projectors. Like, I bet it could very well look like that in real life. It could. And and honestly, like, if you look at the key design elements of, of Broncos throughout the ages, and this is one of the things I did not like, um, you know, they have kind of a sunken in headlight look on all of the on all of the Broncos. They don't have that flush mount. They have like a nice little overhang um, with the hood and then the front fenders on the classic Broncos and then all the way up through into the 90s until they got to the brick nose. Okay. Um, which is, for those people who are not familiar, is 87 up. Um, Can I get you to do me a favor? Sure. Could you go to the Ford website? Uh, I have it in the notes and scroll down to where it has all the different trim levels. The first two, the base and the big bend for those playing along at home. Uh, and I believe the black diamond uh, have a, they don't have the same kind of headlight halos on it. Yeah. They're, they're a little bit different. I'm curious to see if you think that is, is a better grill design. The first three trim levels. See, I don't try like to find your note here. Where's where's your note at? I don't like the first three. The base, gonna... the big bend, and the black diamond, I don't like as much as I do like the Badlands and the Wild Track. So you, you like the uh the kind of how many how many editions are there? Let me just that's another thing. Let me get to that. Uh we'll know, get there, but how many editions of this do they need to sell? There's like really? there's basically seven levels right now. If you if you that's Discount first edition, which you're already all spoken for. You're left with six choices. Yeah, there's six, which that's no more than an F-150. Right. Like, keep keep that in mind. That is no no more than that. Ugh. At times, that has nine trim levels. Sure. Yeah. There's. Yeah, I don't like any of these old ones. They it all looks look, like a lot. I I'll give them that they got like the shape okay, like. The shape's okay. Okay, but that that doesn't fix it for you. Okay, you you may continue your rant then. <laughs> uh, yeah, like the front end being plastic. I'm, I'm glad you sent this link link because now I can just pick it apart <laughs> um, and not from memory. Uh, like I okay, I appreciate the ridges they did on the fenders that kind of evoke the thought of the original. Some of that styling is good. The rest of it, and I, I know everyone's saying this, and I, I'm not the only one, but the rest, the rest of it looks so Jeep Wrangler, Jeep. 
It looks I'm like sorry, it, it does looks not look like, like a Jeep. It does not look like a Wrangler. Wait, 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 wait. No. Wait. It looks like a Jeep Renegade got fucked by a Bronco 2. Mm-hmm. Is exactly what it looks like. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. <laughs> 100%. That's what it looks no, like. No, it, it and, looks like a Land Rover Defender is what it looks that, like. That's what I was going to go. It looks more Land Rover than Jeep. I can I can see Land Rover Defender like like you're Way talking more. like the, or, uh, or a Toyota 90s. Land Cruiser from the, you know, from from when those were good. Uh like any of those kind of boxy older the old boxy Land Cruiser, yeah. Yeah, not a Jeep. It does not look like a Jeep. I I I will I will contest well, I will I will lay down on the tracks in front of this train that it does not look like a Jeep. The only thing that looks a bit like a Jeep is the taillights. That's it. It has round headlights. The taillights, the entire shape. They took, they took the entire design catalog. They looked at every feature a Jeep has a six cylinder washable garbage interior, uh, you know, wheel, wheel arches and flares. Ooh, let's put four doors on it. You can get carpet. Every single, it put every single mark, like every single, like every single metric that Jeep did, they went after. They went after their demographic in its entirety. They did nothing to appease anyone who wants a bigger, like luxury dope Bronco, like, like all of the 78 up Broncos were, which is over half of the, Bronco lineage was big Broncos. They that's, didn't do anything to that's such a appease small those now. Like there's not. It is. I, I get it from a from a standpoint of of like that's what they're marketing it to. But I'm just saying that that Broncos have always historically been nice places to be. Like, granted, some of the early ones were more utilitarian, but they always had V8s. They always had uh, nice interior options and air conditioning all the fancy stuff you know i don't know like it just it feels like jeff you can get that it's called the badlands like the badlands is one of the nicest things to to be in like it has all of the amenities and and more and is still huge like wildly capable it like you can get that there's so much space in it too yeah it's not a stripped down tiny thing you can get the base with steelies and 31s but you can get the badlands which has all of your creature comforts and and more like you can look at the look at the stupid windshield frame like look how terrible that is well that's out of that's out of necessity you're talking about the the lines on the top are so they can have the top removed No, no no just the shape just the shape of it it looks terrible like the like that part, that whole piece there is totally missed. Um, the tie downs on the hood are gimmicky and lame. I think that's stupid. Um, I got to see the tie downs on the hood. I haven't seen they're the for, hood tie downs yet. They're for like the uh, high lift jack. Yeah, they've got none of the elegance of the original Broncos with the thin bumpers or any of that styling cue brought in. They they went straight for the I cut the fenders out and you know I don't know I just don't I don't like the style of it the ex, exterior I don't like the interior I think the interior they they probably missed the most um, it feels to me like the interior is just it's it's done so utilitarian see I'll I'll disagree with that as well because on the upper again on the upper trim levels you can get like a wood and a, and machined aluminum 
uh, gear shift with a contrast stitched leather boot and the grab handle to the right of it is also like trimmed and detailed. Like I, I think you just keep looking at the, uh, cause you do look at, uh, kind of the lower down automatic with the, with the black and no contrast. And that does look, uh, kind of like a Nissan Xterra, like when you go down to the base ones, but I think the problem is that they offer so many different variations that it's easy to find one that you don't like, but I think that, you know, styling is subjective. And if you don't like it, I'm never going to change your mind. You don't like it and that's fine. Um, yeah, tie down hooks aren't great. Uh, but what about them offering a two door offering, you know, a four door that all four doors can be taken off and stored in the back. Like you don't have to do it before and then get stuck in a, in a Pacific Northwest random storm, you know, you can just put them <laughs> back on. Uh, so I'm actually looking at a, uh, I'm actually looking at one of the higher optioned ones here with the, uh, with like the Mocha interior with the leather piping. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't look that bad. That looks so, okay. I'll give it Okay. A so maybe, maybe the interior can be less Spartan. You still may not like yeah, the styling, they, but it's not all plastic floors and, and, you know, yeah, I, that's what I think. I, I think what drove me crazy in the videos that I saw were them, them just touting this, like, that's why, that's where, most of the Jeep uh, feeling I got from it was, is the, and, and when I say Jeep, I also mean like the, not only Jeep, but like the Subaru Crosstrek and all these faux outdoorsy, like I'm from Portland and I go outdoors and I go hiking. He, yeah. he, like that whole. <laughs> we kind of live in it. Mentality drives me crazy. Um, like that whole utilitarianism is what they were touting in a lot of the, in a lot of the videos and a lot of the, in the uh, first looks that I saw um, where everything's like, Oh, it's rubber mats and it's, you know, neoprene fabric that doesn't, you know, that's washable and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. So they made it a Jeep that basically you can just go but drive into a swamp and then yeah. hose the thing out. Sure, but it's going. only, it's only certain trims though. It's, it's not everyone. Right. That, that's the whole point is there's, they, they're, yeah. there's, you know, like we said, there's six different trim levels. I hate the, I hate the luxury ones less. So I like the interior actually looked those. So can yeah. uh, let's like, let's camp on the on the trim levels just for a minute because that's that's kind of I think the the crux of what we're talking about. So for those who don't know, there's there are six major trim levels. Uh, there's the base, which I think is super super neat that they even offer this, right? Because Ford doesn't the base, right? And and that's the base is purely direct competition at jeep it's undercutting jeep by like a couple hundred bucks but you're getting so much more well you could on the, it jeep. starts at what 28 grand or something i think it's 29 let me scroll back down where was it i just lost it. it's 29 it's just under jeep price yeah for for the two-door that's that's a really good value i mean it go, does go up quickly from there but uh you know they offer uh, a Bronco with no fog lights, uh, 28.5, sorry, plastic seats. It's got the steel, like I said, steel wheels with, uh, 
with 31 inch kind of highway tires like this would be the one that you buy because you know you're going to pump uh 15 grand and aftermarket parts into it just buy the base one and go from there and then they're they just have these very small steps up uh like the big bend uh which they call mainstream off-roading that probably hurts jeff just to hear that um then the black diamond the outer banks badlands wild trek so wild trek that's been used overseas for a very long time they've offered wild trek editions of like the ranger um for a long time uh and so you know it goes it goes up in luxury and in capability from the factory and you can even see in the tire you know the tire options uh, yeah. that they get more and there was a first edition they only made 3500 they're already gone all gone and that was like sixty thousand dollars at the top um so i know jeff jeff you said that you hated that they had so many trim levels but i mean now that you kind of see the incremental changes and that you can get a nice one or a base one or anything in between would you rather them have everything be a la carte and the cost be necessarily higher or is it the is it the naming convention i like that it has actual names instead of XLTRYZVB. Yeah, that, that's what I, I like that because, like you said, I don't I don't like the XLTs, XLs, all that. Just you get lost in all that. The names are a bit douchey, but the, at least they. Thanks. That's what I that's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that, but but I think they work. So what do you what do you think about the the trims then, guys? Because I'd take an Outer Banks myself. Well, looking at if it was me going through the option sheets, what I would want on it, I think I am at probably the Wild Track. Yeah, I uh, Wild Track's just too expensive. I I, it's, it's more than I need. And I, I I also misspoke. I don't want the Outer Banks because that is not available with the seven speed. If uh, I could deal with it, you know, without. I mean, you know me, I want the horsepower, so I want the 2.7. I want the Twin Turbo 2.7. Well, that's available on all of them. It comes standard on the Wild Track in the first edition, but the... Okay, so we'll go ahead and get into the greasy bits. It, it's available with a 2.3 liter or 2.7 liter EcoBoost engines. That's a four and a six. Um, and I could the, maybe go with the Badlands, actually. The... Um, that's the only one that comes with the stabilizer bar disconnect too. Here's the problem with the 2.7 engine. It cannot be had with the seven speed manual. I'm, I can live with that. Um, I, I think the manual is probably one of the best parts that Bronco is offering. Yeah. The fact they offer it most of the way up is, uh, is key yeah. to me. Cause I, I would need that. So what it is seven speed, kind of but what it is it's a, it's a six speed but it has a dog leg first um that is a crawler gear so if you go into what's usually a first gear it is still you know a standard h pattern for the first six um but much like a european reverse you can put it into into like a super low and that 
with the transfer case engaged in four wheel drive low gives you like a something crazy, like a 94 to one crawl ratio right out of the box. That's some Atlas numbers there. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm all for that. I think that's, I think that's um, laudable for them to offer these kinds of things from the factory. Cause again, they are aiming straight at the Wrangler. Uh, what you say laudable or a lot of bull because I like that second one. <laughs> you know what? You can you can go with whatever you would you would prefer. Um, you know, can, can <laughs> going going back to the whole grill thing too, Jeff. What do you think if you're looking at them of the the black diamond versus the other ones? Because it's got got a slightly different kind of headlight setup on it. I think that one. That's the worst. You think? Now the big is pretty bad. So we're talking kind of about yeah. contrast here, though, because like the Black Diamond has a black grill, uh, and the Big Bend uh, has a kind of a, a not bronze, um, kind of looks silver. Yeah, I would say from a grill standpoint, I think the Badlands probably has the best grill, or or maybe the Wild Track. That's that would be my thought too. From the exterior, I would say the only one that I, I actually think is tolerable that I don't hate immediately is probably the Badlands. Yeah, that's kind of nice. It's kind of a honeycombish kind of. Well, I guess it's got the whole which kind of like ties a, more back into the retro style. That's kind of how they were from the factory. Yeah. Um. So engine choice being. Uh, Another pain point is there's no V8, which sucks. So that's Get, give of, it a couple I know years. That. Here's the thing, Jeff. That's kind of everything now. You can't get a Ford GT with the V8. The V8s are dying off in the F-150 even. The V8s are going to soon be sent. Basically, if you want a V8 from Ford, you're going to have to get a Mustang pretty soon. They they could have at least just done a carburetor. I mean, come on. <laughs> I was waiting for that to come up. I can't believe it took an hour like, for you to get there. I know. Like, they should have put an Edelbrock 600 on the thing and just call it a day. You know? They they could have done that, but I think they wanted to sell cars. Because, remember, <laughs> these are going to be bought by people who are going to drive them through the mall, as I would. So, um, That's true. I would take this thing out once or twice a year and actually use it, which is what these things will be lucky to get you know, two off-road trips a year, uh, most of these. So um, you guys want to talk any more about kind of the minutiae or do you want to move on to packages? Whose package are we talking my, about? My big package, my Sasquatch package <laughs> over here. That I'm... Uh, where's the, where do you see these packages? I can't. I don't... Uh, so in the PDF uh, that I linked to, if you go to the second Second page down, it has package descriptions, which include the standard, the mid, the high, the lux, and the Sasquatch. Um, so most of these I'm not going to bore people with. It's just kind of option packages, adding uh, LED headlamps and push button start, and then you know, um, re- you know, remote start and um, auto dimming mirrors, lane keep assist, blah blah blah, center stack, and then. You know, at a certain point, you go from an eight-inch screen to a twelve-inch screen, uh, and then the luxury package gives you adaptive cruise, ten speakers, 
evasive steer assist, heated steering wheel. Um, yeah, real Spartan here, Jeff. This sounds like <laughs> absolute hell. Um, but the, I mean, the only one that people are going to talk about is the Sasquatch package. Am I right? And this is more. I really like the tech that they put into this. Okay. Though, if you want to go over some uh, tech, I, I'm I'm more than happy to to, to go with that. No, I, I like the tech that I'm just reading about the Sasquatch package that has the feedlot capable wheels. That's neat. I think they're ugly, but I think it's neat that they have. It's um, a great factory. I like the sure. front. That's what I think. Factory 35s. Yeah. 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 Uh, I like that it has the front and rear differential locking differentials. I like the, the trail control idea. That's kind of neat. Position sensitive um, shocks, uh, high clearance fenders, and that gives you that 4.7 final drive for to get that 94 to 1 um crawl ratio uh and that is available all the way down to the base so you can get the base model uh with you know no no content in it but you can go from 30s to 35s from the factory on the base model and i really like that they offer that I just noticed how much the taillights protrude from the rear of the truck. That looks so jeepish. Yeah, that's because it's kind of, oh, look, it looks like we put these on here, you know, afterwards sort of a thing, which is stupid. It's like the front grill. They just, it, they look out of place to me. So do you want to hear my biggest problem with this, uh, with the Bronco? It's, you don't have one. Uh, it's the Sasquatch package. They committed a uh, a crime to me. Um, you cannot have the Sas. You cannot have the Sasquatch package and a manual transmission. Mm. It's only with the uh, ten speed automatic. Which and, I, and they and do doesn't that only come with the two seven or am I mistaken? Uh, no, you can you can have the two point three and the ten speed and the Sasquatch, and they oh. they said that they could have done it, but they didn't think that there was demand. So they're like, "Well, if there's enough demand, maybe we'll make it happen next year." And I'm like, "Come on, come on!" <laughs> that that's them saying that after realizing that there's demand. So that'll be a pack. That'll be an option next year on a twenty two. Yeah. Um. And we'll we'll spend a second talking about the goat mode. Uh, or the seven different modes. Well, it varies. Uh, actually, six to seven. Five to five to Is seven. Five to seven. Minus so six. yeah, so the base comes with uh, five different uh, levels, and then uh, goes up to six, and then seven, and then six, and then seven, and then seven. So it kind of depends, and I'm not sure why. I mean, they they. These different packages are supposed to be different for different kinds of off-roading to an extent. So once you get past six, um, you get to like the black diamond, which includes a the standard six uh, from the big band and a rock crawl mode. Um, and then you go to the outer banks and you don't get the rock crawl. Uh, but then you move up to the Badlands and you get a rock crawl and a Baja. And it, you know, it's kind of hard to tell exactly what they add and take away. Um, Cause they all get uh normal eco sport, like anything else nowadays, but mm-hmm. even the base gets slippery. 
has that is a apparently that's a mode slippery and sand and everything else gets that but the big bend also gets mud and ruts black diamond gets uh mud and ruts and rock crawl uh but outer banks does not get rock crawl uh neither does the wild track actually so it's kind of strange like if you want rock crawl mode you have to either get the black diamond or have been on the list for the first edition or get the badlands so upgrading can actually take stuff away um that seems goofy to me and you know they do the same kind of thing with uh underbody protection um it's standard on the third fifth and seventh levels but the outer banks and the wild track don't get a heavy duty bash plate standard you know um but those ones that do also get rock rails standard which is cool Um, but i mean some of these get plastic bumpers some of them get uh, steel bumpers it's they have an entire sheet um to kind of point out all the differences that i've gone over many many times and it still seemed kind of unnecessary um it's a bit confusing but wait for the configurator to actually come out yeah the the configurator. Yeah, the build my Ford hasn't had a new model of Bronco. Yeah, that sounds like the next one to replace the first edition. Um, yeah, it'll be called the configurator. <laughs> so, let's. You know, we've we've kind of gone over uh, the the major major points here. So, as we kind of start to wind down, uh, do you guys want to do just some quick highlights and lowlights uh, about the Bronco? Think you know, just pick one or two things that you think are like what it hit out of the park and what it failed on now that we've kind of gone over stuff. Um, I think any additional one, that they, one that they did out of the park that we didn't touch is the fact that the mirrors are body mounted, not door mounted. I so hear you a lot of bitching about that doors. actually. You what? I hear a lot of bitching about that actually. Really? Yeah. I hear a lot of people complaining that uh, I think it was road and track specifically that was one of their biggest problems with it is that it looks stupid with the doors off and the mirrors on. It's like, well, you want, do you want people driving around without mirrors, my dude? Right. That's the whole, that, that's the thing. I yeah. think that, that's, that's a great idea compared to the Jeeps where you lose your mirror when you take your doors off. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think it's good. I think it's kind of weird that there's kind of this, they kind of, go into the cowl and it kind of makes one long black line with these little, with these little mirror things sticking out. I think that probably could have, they could have put some body molding, body colored molding to separate the mirror from the cowl. But um, that's about it. Uh, So what, so that's kind of a, a pro. What do you think? What's, what's your biggest problem with this, with this thing? The I, I I think I'm with Jeff. The taillights and grills. Um, there's some good options on the grills. I I don't want to say good. There's better, but I, I, it's I think that's it. It's the it's the grills and taillights for me. Jeff, do you can you can you uh, hold yourself to a pro and a con? 
Uh, I think that it's cool that it has a manual transmission. Um, I think that it's cool that it has a nice, good crawl ratio. That's neat. Uh, cons, there's a lot. The grill is ugly. The shape looks too much like a Jeep. The taillights are ugly. Most of the interior options are crappy unless you buy the really nice ones. Um, yeah, that's how I feel about it. Oh, and it looks like a four-door four Jeep. They pull the two-wheel drive and the four-door four look like a, a four-door Rubicon. You know, I, looking through it too, I'm not a fan of a lot of the color options. Yeah, they're kind of plain. Yeah. Yeah, they're all kind of pastels, like... Even the even the reds aren't like super uh, exciting, and they always show the uh, cyber orange because that's kind of the most exciting color. Um, yeah, I think I, the only one I really like is the cyber red. I'd I'd have antimatter blue, but I'm I'm kind of biased, so. Um, my my pros and cons. Maybe it's not this model. My pros and cons are simple. My my biggest pro is is that they offer this in a two door. I mean, short of the Range Rover Evoque, I mean, who's doing that right now? Yeah. So I mean, the the Jeep, but that's it. And this is, I think, this is going to perform much better. Uh, and competition is only good. So um, that's that's really good. And the fact that they offer 35s from the factory is cool. I think the biggest problem is their convoluted trim system. Uh, yeah, it is a bit clustered. It's really hard to get the vehicle you want or to know which one you want. Um, I don't think there's necessarily too many options because, again, trucks have more than this generally. But I feel it just is... Maybe they maybe the names don't evoke enough. Maybe I just don't know the names enough uh, to kind of know what these vehicles are supposed to do. Um, but I think that's that's kind of I feel like this was a big swing for them to make, and that they've stumbled a little bit. What I'm looking forward to is three years from now when the refresh happens. I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, they'll have plenty of time to refine everything. I think this was a great first shot at it and that I can appreciate how well this is put together mechanically and that with them kind of, you know, because they can't base it off of anything other than history. Now they're going to get feedback from people. Um, I think that the the refresh should kind of fix uh, some of the bigger problems. But I mean the body shape isn't going to change and within a generation we'll lose the two door because it won't sell enough because it's not what actually people want. Um, so that's a bummer, but yeah, that's kind of my, uh, my biggest thought. I I'm sure uh, I'm going to wake up screaming in the middle of the night, uh, cause I forgot something. Uh, Oh, the accessory <laughs> list is really cool. Um, some of the stuff is really crap. Like the, the pocket doors are crap. Um, but they're a neat idea and there's some other cool stuff that they offer. There's still a ton of stuff coming from what they've said too. You know, there's 
potentially what 200 options of, and more on the way yeah. right to be released exactly yeah uh and so jeff jeff wouldn't get one of these i think is probably the answer no. i think that's a solid no for jeff for jeff uh, yeah I, I, I don't i don't think you take one at all um i think there are other vehicles if they said we'll give you a forty thousand dollar credit at ford I don't think he would pick a Bronco. Are we off base? No. And so, uh, Andy, if if you're gonna if you're gonna pick one up, what what do you think? Or or is it too convoluted to know? Yeah, I'm not picking one up. Yeah, just not picking one up. I'm waiting till configurators all come out because right now you can only kind of look at a couple of things. You can only kind of roughly look around at the sport. Yeah. Well, definitely interested. not in the market, but definitely interested. Yeah. I would, um, I would be hard pressed to choose between the two and the four door. Uh, but at the end of the day, I would hundred percent. Yeah. I would definitely get the, um, I would get the Bronco sport. And um, on that bombshell, I think we're going to uh, we're going to move on because we didn't we didn't touch on the sport at all. Yeah, the, the sports even D two and more. I was I literally am just on the sport page, and it only comes with the two liter EcoBoost. It's, com- it's a completely different car. Yeah, it it has nothing to do with the Bronco, and that's it's part of the branding. It's it's just. It's the right size and the right capability. It's just because the, the Explorer has been model. the Explorer has been neutered, and they sold off the um, the Land Rover Jaguar brand uh, a number of years ago. So now they are allowed to compete with them because they had a non compete for a few years when they mm-hmm. sold it. So this that's what this is, um, but it has most of the same uh, options. It has a base and a big bend and a outer banks and badlands. Um, one thing that I really like about it is that it, it offers a internal bike rack. So you can put mountain bikes on the inside and I've been huge into mountain bike lately, lately. So that's really good. <clears throat> and this is something that I could, I could actually put the, the family in and we, I could justify. Yeah. I think I think for me for sure it would have to be a four door model. Yeah, it's it's just it's just practical. If I could have anything I wanted, I would I would get a, a two door. But again, we'll wait for the configurator. But uh, good news for everyone listening: uh, Bronco Watch is finally over, um, and we'll uh, we'll be back to kind of regular news and topics. <laughs> Except we're still on the. The 78 silver Bronco watch. Yes. We still are on that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> any any other final thoughts uh, before we kind of close out for the evening? Because we've gone a bit over. Nothing for me. I don't think so. Should we send Andy or Jeff like a, should we send him like a, like a, like a sing, singing telegram or something to try and cheer him up? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to work unless it's old, busted, has rust on it, and a carburetor. 
I'm just going to go sit in my air-conditioned Chevy and idle in the driveway with the exhaust routed into the car. <laughs> I thought for sure you'd route it to your neighbor's house, but that's a different story. <laughs> oh, oh. All right. This brings us to the end of our 24th episode of Garage Night. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Garage Night or email us at tinydogpodcastnetwork at outlook.com. And also check out our family of other shows at tinydogpodcast.com. Definitely. Feedback is always welcome at any of the avenues, uh, quick ratings, uh, reviews, iTunes, you know, wherever you get your podcasts, Amazon, anything. Ratings always good, always appreciated. And so without a further ado, we will, uh, we will say goodnight from all of us here. Good night, y'all. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Garage Night Podcast. A special thanks for Jeff Tracy and Annie Tamlin for joining the show this week. Until next week, keep turning wrenches. Oh, that one went went long as I expected. <laughs> did did you hear what did you hear Jessica on that? No. <laughs> and she goes, not as good as your mom. <laughs> You'll find it in the edit, I'm sure. Oh, I will. I find a lot of things in there. I find a lot of her in there. <laughs> That's my favorite stuff for the uh, for the ending, too. <laughs> okay, let's see. Hopefully, it all. Didn't say it's always appreciated. I said not as much as your mom. <laughs>